so let's talk briefly about uh, church systems, right? What, what that kind of thing looks like. And the way, the way to approach this, I mean, you can honestly go to conferences and learn about all this stuff and try and put someone else's system into yours, which won't necessarily work for what God has here. So I'd like to approach this from a point of view of, of questions. Asking yourself a lot of questions and then putting some whiteboards up and, and some paperboards up or some pencils or iPads or whatever you want to do and start just thinking process, right? So here's some questions for yourself to ask. The best way for me to approach thinking about systems for your church is to put yourself in the shoes of a first-time visitor. Yeah. Think yourself put from first time, Our obviously our desires for our churches to grow, so a guest um, I, I keep trying to retrain myself. We don't say visitor, we say guest, right? So a guest comes into our church. It's more welcoming. We're talking to them about guests. You're, you're a guest of this house. Thank you for coming. Yeah. How can I take a guest from, from wherever they're at to being a functioning member of our church, participating, bringing their gift, bringing their all? And you can even take it further. How do we take it from a guest to a church planter? How do you take someone from, from a guest to be, uh, you know, killing it at work, doing what they're doing, just representing Jesus, being a witness and everything? Kind of think about that whole process. If we're only thinking about the new believer, we're missing a, a whole group of other people, right? Because you've got to put yourself in the shoes of each of these different types of people. And you are going to have all sorts of guests coming to your church for the first time. You're going to have a pre-believer. Notice pre-believer, not unbeliever, pre-believer, because we want to see them all get to know Jesus, who was invited by a friend. So that person already comes with a connection. So that's one person to think about. What about a pre-believer skeptical of church, but reaching out one more time to figure out, is there something out there that's real? Those type of people come into our church often broken, hurting. What is that person going to experience? Um, think of the, the, a new believer who's new in the area. Now, Denver is growing like mad, right? So you're going to get a lot of that. People coming into the church, they already know church. They're already church people. Maybe they come from different denominations. Maybe they came from your kind of thing. Those are kind of people coming into your church. Those people are going to want to on-ramp on board much quicker, right? Um, what about the believers leaving another church disgruntled? <laughs> Have that conversation about going back and making rights first. Um, what about a, a, a family with young kids? I'm really challenging our kids' ministry people. Think of a family with new kids. When we, for seven months, six months, were trying to find a church, I don't care anything about how beautiful your building is or your vision or your values or anything. When I walk into the building, I want to make sure my kids are safe. I want to make sure I know where to go because I'm already insecure about going to a new church. I really am not sure how things happen, when they start, where I must go, where the bathrooms are, where the kids ministry are. But with kids, four of us traipsing into a new church, I want right away to know my kids are in a good place. And once I have my kids settled, now I can breathe. Yeah. And like look around and get to know your wonderful coffee and get to know all your wonderful people. Do you see what I mean? Put yourself in the shoe of a new family coming in. What is their experience like? And think about every step along that process. Uh, what about a family with high school kids, right? Uh, it's a big need. A family coming in with high school kids, they're going to want to know almost right away, is there some kind of a youth over here? Yeah. So how are we letting people know about things like that? Other than, and, and your website is definitely all part of these systems. Yeah, 
Uh, two more. What about a person who's highly, highly social? Christine. Uh, right? And, and they just walk in and they are a hurricane when they walk in. You know I mean, there's just, there's just energy that walks in with them. Uh, anybody know anyone like that? No. Um, okay. You don't have to worry about that person as much. Here's the person you need to worry about. Of course, I love it. It's amazing. Um, here's the person you need to worry about. The person who has no connections. The person who is highly introverted and is really nervous about trying out a new church. Right? I, I think we do ourselves and that person a disservice by thinking, oh, well, they're going to feel the Holy Spirit and everything is going to be amazing. You know what I mean? And, and they are, and you hope they're going to experience the Holy Spirit, and you hope. But there are so many things happening from, you know, they usually come early, right? Guests usually come early. Members come late. <laughs> or is that just my church? <laughs> our, our guests are sitting down by 10 minutes to the service, right? Because they looked at the website and it said 10 o'clock, so they're going to get there early. They want to get their kids checked in. So your, your guests come in, they're nervous. So by the time your service starts and you're able to introduce them to your wonderful everything, they've already been there 15, 20 minutes. They've already met five or six people or had the opportunity to meet five or six people or have met nobody. And are sitting there all alone, highly insecure about what's going on. Right? Think about all these people and ask what is their experience from car park to wherever you are hoping they want to go. I want to ask you this question. Uh, Cheryl, I actually wrote this down. Are we going to leave this all to chance or hope that perhaps, well, Cheryl's going to meet them? Or Christine? Or TK and Sanders? In my notes. I had you in mind. I had you in mind. Are, are we just leaving it to chance that we just hope your most social people, your most welcoming hospital people are going to actually meet them? Or are you going to think, what if Cheryl doesn't come to church that day? <laughs> right? Who is going to meet them then? Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think we do ourselves a, 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 we do our visitor, our guests, ourselves a great service by thinking through all of this. And then training people with this heart in mind from your door to your coffee to the people receiving the kids to the people introducing about, you know, the, do you guys do mugs or whatever you, you do, Hannah? Train all of those people, not just on when you see people give them a mug, like why you should do it. Have the questions in front of them. This person may literally be about to make a decision about divorce. Mm -hmm. And they're here one more time, checking it out. These people may, heaven forbid, be making a decision about their life. And you at the coffee table may make a connection with them. That's what I pray. And, and if we think about God putting different bricks or different people in a church, if we are only thinking about the preaching and the worship, we're missing... 80% of the church, 90% of the church who have a part and a role to play in helping the church grow and be all that it can be and to be able to attract really organized people, really creative people, really disorganized people, really insecure people. You know what I mean? We all have our, our different unique giftings that God has placed you here for to help them. Now notice this. I am not at all talking about changing your music changing your preaching, or anything that is core to your value. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm talking about all the peripherals that your guest is going to experience yeah. way before they get to hearing you talk about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Way before that. There's a whole bunch of touch points that this person is going to get. How are we thinking about that person? Make sense? How will you get the guest's information? That is a system. How are you going to get their information? That is a system. How will you, what will you do with their information? Like what does follow-up look like? That is a system. That is the systems that I'm talking about. How will the greeters or hospitality team members, how will they get better at greeting and hosting? That's a system. You have to think through those questions. How will new people to the church who have now agreed to be members, right? So they've gone through the process. They've been there for a while. They put up with, you know, some of you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. They're, they're like, yeah, I'm in. I want to do this. How will they now find a connect group? That's a system. Can't just leave these things to chance. You can't just leave it to the thinking, well, well, like I love the church. And they're going to ask. No, they're not going to ask. They're, they're, they're maybe a highly introverted, insecure person who's not going to ask and doesn't want to take that first step. How are you going to help someone who's a member to start serving in your church? For us, servant leadership is crucial to our values. It is one of our main values. We want every person in our church to find a way, once they've dated the church for a little while, once they've figured out, yeah, this is where I want to be, to get involved and become a servant leader so that they can make connections on Sundays while they're serving and playing their part so they can find a place outside of Sundays when we do outreach and things like that. We want people involved because this is how they build friendships and connections and this is how they're discipled. This is how they're discipled. Did you know that serving together on a coffee table, you can have opportunities to disciple somebody in the ways that Jesus has taught us. Right? It's not just a one-on-one coffee with someone that you're making a disciple. It's in a life group. It's serving on a Sunday. It's standing outside when the wind is howling. And you're like, you have a bad attitude. But you're like reminding yourself, why am I doing this? You're making disciples and we're pulling people along with us along that journey. Yes. Amen? Amen? These are all systems, right? Uh, how do you invite people to connect groups? And then how will you train those connect group leaders? These are the types of systems that I'm talking about. Think through it all and then have a plan for these things. And, and I'm giving you, you know, in a year or two years, you're not just going to get there in a week, right? This, this stuff is, is complicated. And, and I want to say this. What I'm suggesting here shouldn't just be up to TK and Sandy or just up to the elders to think through all of this. Yeah. It is this group. And I'm assuming since you're here, you're all serving in the church and you're all on a team somewhere or, or you're leading a team somewhere. It's this group to get together, to pull out some paper or a whiteboard, to start asking these questions for the areas where you're serving right now. If you're in kids ministry, ask yourself those questions. What is the experience of that person going in? If you're the coffee person, if you're the guest services, uh, sorry, uh, hospitality or the, or the front door people, the, whatever, you, you pick your names, right? <laughs> Ask yourself the question, if, if I'm going to be here, let me be here and make this better. Amen? And not just wait for TK to give me instructions. Is that okay? Initiative. How does this church help with all of these things? Or do we just, and, and please hear me, I'm not trying to be disrespectful in any way, but if we just want to leave it to the Holy Spirit or just trust and hope, 
that they push through the, all, all the complexities of our organization, then we're not utilized, we're not stewarding those people that God has brought to us. Does that make sense? So here's my suggestion to you. I suggest that you guys think through each of your seven teams in the church. And I can give you notes later if you want, but here it is. Create some clear on-ramps for how people will join that team. I think through that. You're in, uh, okay, so you're, let me get back to the teams, right? So I, you guys have RCC Kids. Is that what you call your kids ministry? Yeah. Okay, you have kids, that's a team, right? You have um, Hospitality, that's a team. Yeah. You have Greeters, that's a team, right? Um, you have Worship Team, is a team. Sometimes it's more like a ragtag band. No, I'm kidding. Uh, worship team is a team. Your AV media lighting people, that's a team, I'm assuming, right? Um, prayer ministry, I don't know if you guys do prayer ministry, but that's a team. So I'm thinking of all the different teams, especially on a Sunday morning. Get together with those leaders, those people who are starting to think about and ask these questions. What does this look like? What's a clear on-ramp for someone to join this team? Right? So now I'm new in your church, and I want to join the greeting team. I don't know how. So where do I go? Who do I ask? Yeah. Are you going to train me? Is it just show up and figure it out? Uh, because we've done that. We've did that for too long. We're like, oh, just come. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And then there's just chaos on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And that person joining a new team, there is insecurity. I'm, I'm telling you, as much as we wish everybody was mature and healthy and everyone is whole, there's insecurity infiltrating a new church and a new connection group and a friendship group and you know often they'll call it a click not because it's a click but just because it's difficult to see myself entering into the deep friendships they already have right so create clear on ramps for those people to join the team yeah yeah we, we, had this, we had this training at Huntington, and, and for, for a long time, I, I had a real hard time with this, but they explained to us, um, not so much millennials, but it started with millennials, Gen Zers definitely, and I think there's a next thing after Gen Z. Anyone know what that is? Huh? Gen X, right? Gen X. Uh, no, Gen X is before millennials. So Gen Z, there's a, there's a new thing now. But especially with the Gen Z generation, which is you're talking about 20 to 25, 27, I think, is your Jane's ears. Their experience, uh, this is through a lot of research that they did with companies. Their experience of joining a company is, for the most part, established on day one. Their, their uh, experience of how much I like this job and how much I see myself being here for a long time. That, that feeling, that thought is established on day one. So when I hire people, our HR team was telling me, day one needs to be incredible. You need to clearly show them where they're going to sit. You need to take some of the obstacles of, of finding their logins and all of their systems stuff. Try to get that out of the way before they start day one. You need to show them where the connection times are. Where is lunch? Where is coffee? Help walk them there. Introduce them to a few people. So that if on day one there is a connection built with relationally, they've did, statistically, right? This is obviously a generalization. But statistically, you're like, wow, I like this place. Mm -hmm. And that feeling stays with you. Uh, if day one is bad, your feeling is, I don't like this place. 
and you may see it out for a few months or a year or two, but it's established on day one. It's really, really weird, the psychology behind it. But in our churches, I, I said to the, the guys last night, average age of our church right now is 25 or under, right? And so that's the group that I'm working with. And so I, I've had to tell our guest services team, we're now up to like 40 or 40, 50 people in our guest services team. I said to them, you can no longer just bring someone in on guest services and train them on the day, right? Because it's chaos on the day when you don't know where anything is. So let's create an orientation day. Right, so you want to join the team? Hey, after church, we're gonna meet you before you join the team. We're gonna walk you through everything. So what does that mean? It means I've had to think through, not me, the guys who, who run guest services, and I, I help them through this. I've got to think through all the roles that we want our guests to experience in guest services. So coffee, before you get to the church, you've got to do these three or four things. While church is happening, you do these two or three things. After church, these three or four things. I've got to be clear with the expectations. And then on orientation, we walk them through it at a high level. We give them something on the internet or, or in, in their hand where they can go look through it so that their first day on the job is a good experience. They've built up some confidence with that kind of thing. That to me, when, when we started doing that, our people joining these teams and doing well at it has just exponentially increased. A little bit of work up front, but the payoff has been tremendous. Tremendous. Okay. All right. So clear on-ramps, clear training for new members, and ongoing training or sharpening of existing members. Just because somebody has greeted your guests for the last five years doesn't mean you can't have another conversation about, hey, don't ask everybody, is this your first time? Right? Because as your church grows you're going to miss a few people. And if they've been coming five times, and if they get asked every single week, is this your first time? There's a negative experience for that guest. So we've trained our guest services people. This is a new thing over the last few months. Don't ask them, is this your first time? Ask them, how long have you been coming? Right? That way, your first time guest has the opportunity to say, well, this is my first time. The guy's been there five times. He gets to say, nah, I've been here about two or three months. You know what I mean? So you're taking some of the negative interactions that you could potentially have. Now, guys, I know this sounds as dry and as boring as possible, but these little tweaks that you make have a huge impact on the experience of a guest joining your church and finding their way on, on ramping into it. Clear training, clear expectations of each serving position. If you're in kids' ministry, Honestly, I, I genuinely think kids' ministry is the hardest area to serve in the church. Yeah. It is fairly thankless, right? Um, and you're sitting in the back. You don't get to experience, uh, in our church, you don't get to experience the worship that day unless you go to the first or second service. Um, you don't get to sit in the teaching. You're, you're basically just watching these kids. And now when you have a good heart for it, you're like, well, no, I'm not just watching them. I'm actually teaching and training them. And we're seeing incredible things happen. But you've got to help people get their attitudes there. You've got to help them see it. You've got to envision them. So if you're in kids' ministry, I think the dropout rate of people serving in kids' ministry is fairly high. Partly because we don't train them. We don't train them. We don't equip them. Have you, when last have you trained someone how to deal with a, different, a difficult child? Right? If, if week in, week out, the, the kid is there and you know that kid when they're at church that week, wow, that's going to be a difficult Sunday. Have you given them tools 
to, and an authority as to how to deal with a difficult situation so that they're not pulling their hair out because what are they going to do? They're going to stop serving in that team. And they may even stop going to the church because it's difficult to have tough conversations. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm sure you guys have teachers in your, in your church. Have that teacher join with your kids' ministry uh, volunteers and ask them, how do I, in this day and age, because when I grew up, you give that kid a spanking, whether it's your child or not. But I grew up in a different time in a different place, right? So you can't do that here. So here in Denver, Colorado, how do you deal with that child who has zero social skills? Anyone know anyone like that? Zero social skills, does not respond to instructions. How do you deal with them? You've got to figure that out. You've got to have those discussions. What if they're adults? <laughs> well, Chris, I wanted to have a conversation with you afterwards, you know. <laughs> okay, here's another one that has caused your team members a lot of frustration and your team leaders is scheduling. Who loves scheduling? Oh, you guys use Breeze, right? Yeah. Right. So this is, I'm assuming what I'm looking here is for the most part the leadership team of this church, right? I hope you all have Breeze. I hope you all have the apps. I hope you all know how it works because if you don't, the rest of the church has got no clue. You know what I mean? So get used to your apps. Get used to your scheduling. If you get scheduled for a Sunday, please accept it and tell your people to accept it because the team leaders and the staff will sit there on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and they'll look at the upcoming Sunday and they're like, we've scheduled 15 people, about three have accepted. It's going to be a chaos on Sunday. You know? Training people in these simple little things will just make everybody's life easier. And you take the stress levels on the Sunday away. You take the unmet expectations away because you've trained and you've been clear with these things. I can say these things to you guys because I don't go to this church, right? So, so I, I'm not going to get anybody in trouble. I'm really talking about our church. So we use Planning Center. We just switched over to Planning Center uh, in September. From uh, We were using Church Community Builder. Planning Center so far, I love it. From what I hear, Breeze does very similar stuff. So I'm not suggesting you change it. I'm suggesting you guys... Oh, you don't like Breeze? Okay. Right. Seems like there's going to be an administrative meeting. Boxer, we need the But listen, systems for scheduling and all of that kind of stuff. It, here, listen, 20 years ago when I was in South Africa, I got a, a piece of paper on the worship team schedule and they gave me my schedule for the next three months and it just worked that way, yeah. right? These are not, not those days. Yeah. We, I have four children. Every child has way too much things going on. I've got a wife. She's got a lot of stuff going on. i got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I've got like seven calendars right now to try and manage our lives, you know? It just is what it is. It's not right, but it is what it is. So are you going to like, just like, well, that's not right, so I'm going to send out an email with Excel, and they're going to just figure it out, you know? Or are we going to use the tools and the systems? Oh, is that like a thing? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was talking about another church, right? <laughs> 
listen, there's there's ideal world, and for me, ideal world, you're gonna get every church member mature and healthy and spiritually mature. And yes, that's where we want to go. But listen, everybody's on a journey. Everybody's on a journey. And honestly, I I'll show you my phone. I have seven calendars. And Kathy and I have synced half of them up so that we can get our lives in order. It's the only way we were able to manage a full-time job, the church, our kids' schedules, varsity soccer, drama club, knitting club, you name it. It's the only way we were able to do all of this. Whatever. Even I knew that. Okay. And so then, then all of your people are getting used to these apps and they're getting used to these systems and we want to send out paper schedules. Yeah. Right? Uh, think about it. Think about it, guys. It's not even... <laughs> it's, not, it's not even that expensive. It's not even expensive, but it's going to take you a little bit of time, intentionality. Don't be that old guy that says, I'm not going to learn these things. You can learn it. If you know how to learn... <laughs> Hey, it's a moment of grace here. If you, know, if you know how to use your iPhone, which you all have figured out how to do, you can figure out some of these things. Can I know that? talk about the transition to planning center. How long it took and what it cost. Let's talk about that. We, we had a, a lady, and, and she, she, can, she, she can be... Yeah. We did a transition from church community builder, which we used for seven years, and we probably had like 1,200 contacts on there. We had all of our schedules, all of our teams on there. And our finance. And our finance, like giving. We moved everything over three weeks, start to finish, and it cost us about two grand. Because she did Of consulting time, yeah. She did it. Yeah. But it was the most successful conversion we've ever had. Uh, she created little videos for us. She did onboarding. We got all of our teams together and we talked to them about it. We asked everybody, open your phone right now, get the app. Let's figure out how to do it. We took six or seven weeks every Sunday, asked people to download the app. You know, change management is a thing, guys. Um, and so you do, do have to think that through. Is that okay? Okay. All right. Just, just in this room, who would you suggest drives that change? <laughs> I feel like I'm getting set up for something. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> okay, guys, I've got ten minutes, and I still wanted to take questions. Let me let me get through a few more things, right? Uh, connect groups, connect groups, connect groups. I know you guys have doubled down on connect groups as your strategy for discipling and shepherding and loving and pastoring people, right? Yeah. Your connect groups need systems. Yeah. Are there any connect group leaders in here? Yeah. All right. Yeah. You guys need systems, right? You need to know how to get trained. You need to get trained. You need to know what the eldership team is expecting from your groups, what happens in them. You need to know what does a communication process look like between you and the eldership team for things going on in your group. You need to know how to recruit on Sundays, right? You, we can't just create groups and think, they're going to find me, right? You're talking about a visitor who's an introvert, who's nervous, who sees a group and thinks they look all so happy together. I'm never going to break into that. You've got to recruit these people into the groups. They'll love it because your group is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 All right. Your group is amazing, so they'll love it. It's for their benefit. Uh, but we can do that. Um, are there co-group leaders in your connect groups? So that you can think about the next step, right? Um, do you know how to schedule meetings? Take attendance. Report back to the leaders. Uh, I, I, 
I think Breeze does this, but I encourage you, whatever system you guys use, get your group leaders to take attendance. It literally takes 30 seconds on your phone, and it helps your pastoral team to know what's going on in the life of people. Right? If you have bigger issues, think of the Jethro principle. There's a big issue. Someone's about to go through a divorce and he's hitting her and you know, you've got child protective services and let your elders know. Let somebody know you're not equipped to handle all of that on your own. But for the most part, you're able to shepherd and love your people and help walk and disciple them along their journey. Amen? Now, here's my big disclaimer. I'm a child of the charismatic movement. Okay, I grew up in that. I've never been in a denominational church. I've been to one Catholic church service. It just is what it is. That's what I grew up in. I grew up underneath the piano when my parents had church six nights a week. And, you know, I get to, got to know the, the presence of the Holy Spirit from age zero. So that's me. That's my default. That's how I grew up in church. And I've had to really get my mind around this idea that systems and structures are not against the Holy Spirit. They're not in lieu of the Holy Spirit. They're just trying to get a band together on the same page so that we can have uh, unity in our band. And then when the Holy Spirit tells us to go left, we all go left together. When the Holy Spirit tells us to stop, we all stop together. We know how to do this in a worship team because we all have to play on the same tempo, the same key, off the same chart, etc. But it's the exact same story for the whole church. Get on the same page. Get your administration in place. And you will start seeing the river of God flow so much more strongly because the banks have been firmly established. Amen? Um, so it is not a lack of faith to plan. It does not mean you're not moving in the spirit to organize, to set expectations, to write down values. And I'm also not saying that you guys are not doing this. I Honestly, I'm a visitor to this church. I'm a guest here. I put all of this stuff in front of you really, really humbly. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, well, we had good coffee this morning, right? Um, so, so take what it is. For us, just, you know, we've had uh, in the last six months, We've been able, we've got our system good to be able to capture people's information. It's still not perfect, but we've had 300 people fill out guest cards in six months, right? Through that, because we figured out some of these systems, we haven't been advertising. It's not, not marketing or anything. It's our friends who love what's going on in the church and they're inviting people. We've been able to keep a good percentage of those people because we've thought through all of these. And there's clear on-ramps to DNA. There's clear on-ramps to serving, to getting in life groups. Our systems are in a good place. And uh, it's helped us. We've, in the last 12 months, we've gone from seven life groups to 17. <coughs> Because we've thought about all this and we've trained and we've taken some painful time back in the office to administrate all of this stuff. But when we did it, we thought through it all. We were able to bring it and there was clear on-ramps. Um, a year ago, I was just looking at our numbers this morning. We had 80 people on serving teams on a Sunday. Today, we have over 150 people who are actively on Sunday serving teams. And it's like... We could not have done that if a year ago, two years ago, we didn't ask the question, could we handle 100 people coming into our church? And that's why I started where I started over there. Now, I didn't even get into the personal stuff, so uh, I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. So I got very excited about that. But hopefully that was helpful. Make a few quick comments about the personal. Okay. Um, personal preparation for growth. 
let me let me give you an illustration. Maybe that'll help you. Anybody do a personal budget for your finances? Yes. Anybody not do a budget for your finances? Okay. No judging here. No, no judging here. We're in a safe place. Before I started doing a financial budget, I simply had this feeling that if I do a budget, it would restrict me and would frustrate me. But when you get into a process of figuring out your finances, what is there, what isn't there, it actually freed me up. So there was the discipline of monthly sitting down with Kathy, having some wonderful marriage conversations, uh, figuring out how we are going to allocate the resources we get for that month. That not just helped our marriage, honestly. It also gave us both clarity about how we are going to do our life this month. You know what I mean? I, I want to encourage you guys that the spiritual disciplines, the, the spending time in prayer daily, spending time getting up, spending time in the Word daily. Without some of these disciplines, there would be no way that we could do what we were just able to do in the last seven years. I was telling the, the guys last night, um, honestly, my job was a 50 to 60 hour job at the bank. And then the church, as it continued to grow, obviously it took on more time and, and that... The only way, as I said in the beginning, I had to figure out how can I do this since God hadn't given me an out yet. So how? All right. I got up at five o'clock every day, seven days a week. And if you're going to start a new discipline like that, give it three weeks before you see whether it's for you or not. Because if you're changing a sleeping pattern, it takes two to three weeks for your body to catch up to that. It's so amazing. I woke up at 3.15 this morning because uh, I'm in a different time zone. So I'm like, dang it. <laughs> that whole sleeping pattern thing, right? Uh, wide awake. You know, I had great ideas for today. I'm like, it's 3.15. I should be sleeping. Um, we'll put you to bed early tonight. <laughs> but but the, the personal spiritual disciplines, it, without getting up at 5, at 6.30, going to gym, Getting uh, exercise in place, which is so, so important, right? This wasn't talked about in Bible times because they walked everywhere. They had exercise. It was part of their routines. We sit in front of a screen eight to ten hours a week. Then we get home and we sit in another screen. And then we have a little screen. And we are so passive in our lifestyle these days. You have to put movement into your daily schedule if you want to be able to handle emotionally and spiritually what God has given you. Amen? Um, Spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting. Guys, fasting shouldn't just happen when the elders call a fast for the church. You've got a big thing going on in your life. You've got a big situation. Your kids are going through things. Fast. Mm-hmm. Nothing grips your attention and it takes your attention towards the Lord, like depriving yourself of some food. Right. <laughs> Especially me. <laughs> Especially me. I love my food. Uh, corporate worship. I know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are here on a Sunday morning. But guys, make Sunday morning an absolute priority yeah. to your schedule, to your disciplines. Yeah. Take vacation, absolutely. If you're sick, stay at home. But guys, Make Sunday a priority. Make it a priority. This is how you teach your children what's important. Not by what you tell them, but what you show them. What's on your schedule. This is how your kids learn what you love, what you deem important. Uh, Generosity. Guys, 
Generosity, what, what does the Bible say? Your heart is where your treasure is. Yeah, that's it. Right? Not the other way around. Not uh, my, uh, what does it say? My treasure is where my heart is. Well, I really love the nuggets. So, you know, all my money goes to nugget games. It, it doesn't go that way. Where you put your treasure, yeah. your heart will follow. Yeah. And your treasure is your money. It is also your time. Yeah. It's also where you serve. Where you choose to put your treasure, your most valuable resources, your heart follows there. And when all of these things line up, you're, you're healthy, you know, you're moving, you're spending time with the Lord in the morning, the middle of the night, whatever your schedule is, it doesn't have, doesn't have to be a morning. But it does need to be consistent because otherwise you won't do it. Right? For the only reason, not that the Lord will be more happy with you, but if it's not in your routine, in your rhythms... You eat three times a day because it's in your rhythms. Or two times a day, right? Or seven. Five times a day. It's in your rhythms. Put prayer, put time with the Lord in your rhythms. And all of these things will help build up a reservoir in you for the difficult things that leadership requires sometimes. Amen? Uh, One more thing. Uh, I wanted to make sure I answered a little bit of question about gaps. One thing that's really helped us in beefing up our serving teams is at least twice a year we do what we call a serving team fair or a volunteer fair, right? Our, our people and where, they, where they are, they like to volunteer, they know what volunteering is. So we make an opportunity at least twice a year, we put all of our serving teams with a table out in the lobby or in the back of the church, like you wanna get involved with the kids? Here, sign up, get involved in worship, AV, media, guest services, uh, greeting, whatever, a table for each one with that leader standing there taking all the questions. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? You're creating a clear on-ramp for someone who hasn't served yet. Mm -hmm. Clear, this is how I can get involved. So we do that twice a year, and then we follow up with those people, we train them, and we get them scheduled onto the teams. So it may not, it's, it's not always a quick fix, but it certainly is fairly quick to get people volunteered. Um, what uh, serving? What we did uh, a lot is we would always say before we got into this volunteer fair thing, we would say, "Oh, you should serve at the church," and in our DNA, you should serve, you should serve. And I think people agree with you. Yes, I should, but you forget. Yeah. And you're at a great meeting, and you don't have your phone out because you're focusing. And you're like, "Yeah, I really should," and then you forget. And then the next Sunday, oh, I should sign up, but I don't know exactly how. And then third week and then you're like oh it's been like four weeks i, I guess i don't know how so we make easy on ramps for them your, your website should help them with that your uh information stand at the church should help them how can i join on ramp and it will help your serving teams grow yeah along with clear training clear expectations clear boundaries it'll help everybody